We are live here with the first episode of In Space with Chris Connor. Um, and I didn't think I'd be doing this. So <laughs> this is this is fun, man. Um, I I think I, I thank people for that that push me uh, in the direction to wanna to wanna kind of step out here and uh, produce my own content outside of what I'm what I'm doing on Twitter and guest appearances. And I can be honest by saying that I don't think I would be here doing this if it's not for the people that I have up here joining me today. So, um, guys, I, I you know want to tell you early, um, this show is going to have a lot of randomness. It's going to be ups and downs. I have no idea from top to bottom where I'm going to end each show. But the ultimate goal is going to be to... Um, learn about people's journeys that I respect, that I see, that help um, that one way or another in sports media or media period um, have walked the trail that's very important to the reason in the city that's in my heart uh, and help make me who I am. So uh, without further ado, we have Maoji, who I'm always recording with at some point, and David Grubb, Harden to Paint, um, MLBro.com. I'm trying to think well. Some Sports Illustrated. Um, Tulane yeah, basketball. Oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> do a little I bit. Mean, this goes on at all, right? I do a little bit. Do a little bit. Work hard. You know, that's, you got to. Like, there's not, there's nobody, you know, there's nobody who really, if you go try to make it in this, if you only have one slash behind your name, then you better you must be you must be somewhere very comfortable and even the folks in the very comfortable got more than one slash at this point so uh, and uh, 100% and speaking of working hard <laughs> we have the hardest working man <laughs> the hardest working man doing doing anything anything saints related another one of my dogs i've, I've known i've i mean four or five years maybe since my return to twitter mm-hmm. uh, i've watched ross grow and take over things. I mean, he's the first, I mean, what, 10,000 plus followers now Man. locked Man. on, still on the locked on network us today, the saints wire. Um, Ross, what's up, man? Man, I'm glad to be here with you, homie. Thank you so much for having us come through, man. You were the first guest I ever had on locked on saints. Actually. That's crazy. Uh, you, you ain't been back and that's my fault. I got to fix that. <laughs> it's definitely but your fault. That's my fault. That's my bad. But we're gonna never fix that. been on locked on saints. Yes, you have. Oh. We did a whole we did a whole dome patrol after uh after after you know stuff went down and uh and you came through, right? We get we you're did right. a dome patrol episode. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a minute, I gotta fix it, but I'm glad to, I'm glad to be here with you guys. Now, missing missing from action, who is dealing with some family matters. We hope we hope everything uh is okay in the Hudak household. Uh, Maddie Hudak was supposed was supposed to be with us. Uh, this this, but shout out to Maddie. We'll 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 have her back at some point. Um, but this this was brought this was put together because, and I want Grub to go into it a little bit. Grub, you have um, on your show Hard in the Paint, award winning, award winning show Hard in the Paint. Both of look, Ross got awards too for his game. Well, I want. I'm good. Listen, I'm. I just see the trophies. I'm trying to get to where y'all at. Those that can't see, Ross got like five trophies behind his, like, behind his head right now. Just all. I just wait till I put my degrees on the wall. 
But yeah, but but Grub, you guys, you Maddie, I think it started with you and Ross, but you Ross and now Maddie, you guys have uh, I believe a weekly segment by the name of the Dome Patrol, which I do want to know. It's only three. It was, see, it was supposed to be four of us today. I was gonna ask who's who, who's Vaughn, who's Sam, who's at at some point, at some point you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do it. So when Maddie hears this, she can know if she's Vaughn, if she's Vaughn Johnson or not. But um Maddie, I'll say this. Maddie makes the most sense as Vaughn. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie makes the most sense as Vaughn. Because look, I'll say it like I'm gonna do it like this. First, Ross is the Sam Mills of the group. Ross is Sam Mills. Ross Body diagnoses much. things. Ross um, communicates well with everybody. There is not a person that you will find that has a negative opinion of Ross. Uh, he is a leader. You know what I'm saying? Like there, Ross inspires others people to do better. And he doesn't have to, to do that in any other way than by being Ross. Ross is our Sam Mills. He's the heart and he's the soul of this whole thing. And, and I would say I'm, I'm, I because look nobody know everybody knows that no one loves Ricky Jackson more than I do. Yep. No one. No one. Every time I see Ricky, every time I am around Ricky, if you give me a chance to mention Ricky, I will talk about Ricky Jackson. Yeah. So I I believe because the thing I think the thing I loved about Ricky was that yeah he's the Saints all time leading sack leader, but he was also at one time the all time fumble recoveries mm-hmm. leader in the NFL. He was a guy that could play the run. He could play the pass. He was the he, I would say he was the most complete because he, if you ask him to cover, he could cover. If you ask him to pass rush, he could do yeah. it. He was strong at the line. He was he could handle anything. And Ricky was also um, just his voice was bigger than everybody else's in that locker room. If Ricky said it, that's what was going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Just by his sheer presence. And I try to feel like like I try like that, that's when I speak to my audience, I want to have it that kind of resonance. Um, and I'll say that Maddie is is Vaughn because Maddie is relentless. Maddie is mm-hmm. relentless. And you can underestimate Maddie because she doesn't have she didn't come in with the same accolades that the other ones did in that group. You know, she didn't have the the, the name recognition. She comes from look, and Maddie's just gonna come at you. And she's gonna knock the shit out of you. And if you come in like I, I I love her spirit, her energy, and and from day one, that's when like the first time I heard Maddie, like I said, I didn't know her. The first time I heard her, I was like, I gotta pay attention. So oh, so you coming through as Pat now, right, Chris? I, I mean, I guess I, I, I have young a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a I have a random, a random, um, it's not even a story, but I remember growing up in New Orleans, this is when like Pat, Pat was like, I don't know what he's doing now, but I know he was running for some type of local office in New Orleans. Um, and I remember seeing him around the city all the time. My mother used to say terrible things about him. Like we would, we would see him in the street and she would not like, apparently they knew each other. I don't think it's my business how they knew each other, but she did. She was not a fan of Pat Willie. And now I feel like she's gonna be pissed off when she hears this. That's okay. <laughs> um, but no, nah, man. Um, no, nah, no, nah, that's dope. I, man, fuck it, I'll be pat. Um, so one of the things I've realized about this process, um, at least in my journey of uh, growing and you know learning about what what media is um, in a bunch of different pockets, is that. You eventually, if you do it long enough, you inspire people, whether you do it, whether you inspire them in the smallest amount 
or you know they stand on top of a, a, a you know of a legend you know and say this dude is the reason I'm doing what I'm doing here today or this woman is why I'm doing it and um you know I feel like the best you know one of the one of the best things that you can offer when you're good at something or or, or as you're improving as you're gaining the following is to give back is help the next person pull the next person up get the next person their chance to shine and y'all have been really good at that um so what you know i i hope that shows like this and, and i'm starting to realize why why i want to do this because i want people to have examples who think like people just became who they are just right away you know if they they, they think y'all just started winning awards right away they think that people get up to six seven eight thousand followers a hundred thousand followers overnight there's a process it takes time right right to do it and you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, we can you know inspire more people to continue to do it and think like, yo, man, you got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to d- dive a little bit further into like who y'all are, man. You know, you know, and how started. I'm gonna ask y'all, you know, some questions, and we gonna see how this goes. So, the first thing is, and I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with Ross. Ross, um, how long have you been in this in this space in the in the media space? Mm-hmm. And I I want you to tell me when you first started. Who inspired you and what did you think you wanted to do? Mm. Well, who inspired me started way, way back. And, uh, you know, we just we just celebrated a little bit of an anniversary around him. But Stuart Scott was like the first person that I saw on television that made me go because I was playing sports. I, I was playing when I was younger. But seeing Stuart Scott on television, I was like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, like I, I want to do that. I want to talk about it at least. Like I want to be around it. I want to be a part of it. And so he was really the the first piece that I really saw and said, ah, okay, there's a space for somebody that looks like me in that venue, and I can I can step into that role should I choose. And then I went the entirely opposite direction and worked in theater for over a decade, doing like Broadway, off Broadway, national tours, all this other crap, regional everything. Uh, and I went entirely to the wrong side or not the wrong side, but I went the polar opposite. I mean, the only thing I could have been doing, maybe that was like more, uh, you know, outside of, of of what I was doing might have been. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's like the furthest I could have gone. Maybe painting. I don't know. But as I went through all of that and I try, I was trying to find ways to like blend those two things together. So I really stepped into the sports media space in 2017 uh, right around the draft. Uh, and I think the thing that ended up giving me the opportunity to do that was uh, Tyler McClatchy. I always like to shout him out um, at T Clatch. He jumped onto like the Saints subreddit one day and was like, hey, I want to start a website or a blog writing about the New Orleans Saints. Is there anybody who would like to, to contribute? And uh, I had taken some journalism classes when I was in college and everything. I had been doing some writing. I've been doing some uh, some critical theory writing. I had been doing some um some technical theater review writing, things like that. And so I had a couple of pieces published and stuff. I did some explorations around like anti-blackness and regional theater and all these other pieces. And so I had some writing experience and I knew that it was something that I had always wanted to do. And I wanted to find my way back to sports one way or another, whether it was like a production assistant that was just making coffee on an ESPN set or something like that. Like that, that's where I wanted to get, like whatever it was, I was willing to do it. And so when that popped up, I was like, yeah, all right, why not? And then I started writing and like people cared about what i was writing and then people like um people like dg reached out and was like hey can you come on to come on my show and stuff like that and all of a sudden it was like oh, okay so i have a voice 
that people actually resonate with, like people are finding interest in it. And so I started then going into podcasting while I was on that website, which at the time was All Saints Considered. It changed over time to Section 600 because NPR got a little mad at us for calling it All Saints Considered. They liked that name. And so we ended up you know, rebranding to that and everything. And then while I was doing all that, we were doing some podcasts. And then David Locke reached out to me, who's the, the founder and owner of the Lockdown Podcast Network and said, hey, I've heard some of your stuff. We do, you know, daily shows every Monday through Friday, 30 minutes a day. Would you like to come and take over the Saints show? And he was like, we have somebody else. But, you know, if you're if you're interested, like we would like to put you in the running and like put you in for consideration. So, you know, it was pretty like, it was like yeah, why not? Right. Like if it's if it's for consideration, let me go for it. And then if I can get it, then, yeah, I'll, I'll do it to it. And it all worked out. And then that happened in like the summer of 2018. That was right after that draft. So right after Marcus Davenport was selected by the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I So it took about a year until I really got into the podcasting space. And then I've been there ever since. I've moved up in the company. I'm a full-time employee of the company. But like DG said, like you still have slashes, right? So I'm still also doing all of the writing. And I've moved over to Canal Street Chronicles, where, you know, SB Nation, where the three of us have already connected before, and then jumped over to USA Today, and then doing some stuff for Crescent City Sports. And then now I've got you know, and I'm, of course, got locked on Saints going. And so uh, that was the trajectory, man. And it, it really just came down to being willing to say, this is something that I want to do. And then just saying, forget the safety net. I'm not going to wait for anything. I'm going to just leap. I'm going to just do it. And then now this is what I do. Like, I left theater. I'm completely out of it and everything. I was at the top of that field in a very competitive market in the middle of Los Angeles. And I said, nah, I'm cool. Um, I want to talk to my people instead. And everything and so this gave me an opportunity to be able to come back and contribute i'm from the city of new orleans born and raised here and so it gave me an opportunity to uh, be able to come back and, and be able to speak and uh, have an impact in a community that i care so much about and that i missed for a really really long time so i'm, I'm grateful for that to that the way that that all unfolded so so grub um similar similar to ross i i want to know who if it's if it's multiple people, I mean, I'm sure it's it's not just one person, but I want to know who inspired you, and I want to know like what's the what's what's your favorite part? Like when you when you decide, all right, I'm gonna record today, or I'm or I'm joining, I'm getting on someone's show, or you know, I'm you know whatever. What's your favorite part about it? About every episode? Let's start. Um, the inspiration for me um, was Ralph Wiley. Um, the late great Ralph Wiley. Um, if you haven't read him, man, get get a book, get a collection of his essays, whatever. Um, he had probably the most unique um, voice for a black sports writer I had ever read before, and it was his voice. It was purely there was no he did not compromise it. He did water it down. Um, and like I said, it wasn't it wasn't unapologetically black. It was unapologetically Ralph Wiley. And the observations yeah. were honest. Um, they were comedic. They were deep. And I wanted to be all of those things. You know, I felt like because I love sports, I hated having very superficial conversations about sports. You know, no matter yeah. the thing, I didn't want to just talk about what happened how and why were always important to me what people were thinking what people that what were feeling in those moments um you know the emotion of it for me was not as much as about the 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 outcome it was the process you know that's why i love the games is the process um how you get to that last shot 
you know, in the fourth quarter? How do you get to that make or miss field goal that's going to win the, the, the conference championship? Those types of things were what inspired me. And Ralph Wally did those things and he could do the serious, he could do the straight and he could do the observational equally as well. So I wanted to be that. And then when I met Ro Brown um, and I met Ro as a high schooler the first time because his daughter went to school with my sister. Um, but when I worked under him, when I, I mean, like as an intern, I was at WDSU in a Stanverette and Ro was the sports director. And um, there's also at the time a black female sports producer, Stephanie Snowden. So this was like the blackest sports room I had ever been in in my life. And it was the only one in New Orleans that had three black people in it. And Stan taught me a lot. Um, and, and, and Rose certainly taught me a lot. But I thought I was going to be in television. I went to college. I thought I was going to be in television. And then when I realized when I got into TV news that sports is the worst possible department to be in in local TV news because they hate you. They don't think you bring any money in. Mm. <laughs> They'll think that they think that the national stuff is better. So what do they need you for, really? Like you, if you're going to kill it locally, you got to figure out. You got to have a good news director because wherever they cut time, it's usually out of sports. When weather goes long, we're taking 20 seconds for sports. If if somebody else hops in, we're taking 15 seconds for sports. And I hated that because I never felt like I could get any have any depth of anything. Like I was just telling you what happened. And that that just wasn't working for me. Um, and so I got out of business for a good while. And I, I was giving my voice to other people a lot of different ways, politics and some other things that and all those areas inspired me more than anything was to say, find where your voice is true. And it took until, honestly, um, I was at Southern University of New Orleans. I was the um, uh, communication director and the uh, SID at the same time. And I started taking the SID job really seriously. Like I, I, I cared about the stories that I was writing for those young men and women. And I wanted to tell their stories in an accurate way, um, especially because the HBCU athletic experience is so different than the major yeah. college athletic experience. And I felt like they, it needed to be told how hard some of these folks were working just to, to have an opportunity to play, just to play. You know, they, weren't, and they didn't have an expectation that they were going to make it to the pros after this. They just want to play for two or three more years. Um, and so those were great stories for me. And then finally in like 2016, um, I really started to make a push. I was getting, Ro put me on a BOK. Um, and, and more people started hearing about me and giving me opportunities. I started filling in a lot for other people. And Dave DeCorbier, man, gave me my shot. He said, he said, look, come in and do, you're my, you're my permanent, you're my Jay Leno. He let me be his Jay Leno for the D, for D squared. And then when the first opportunity arose, he said, do you want a spot? And I had to bust my ass for that spot and earn the money to cover the advertising. But it was, I was the first, and I mean, I don't say this for to pat myself on the back, but just to tell you how long it took, I was the first black person on an all sports or major FM station to have a daily sports show. Yep. And people will tell, try to, to change my story and make it seem like what happened there was a failure. It was not a failure. The COVID happened and the station shut down. Mm-hmm. I didn't fail there. You know, there was, that show had a reputation and it was growing and I was getting national figures. And the reason Ross and I found each other in that, like I said, I was looking for people who shared that same mindset. And I felt mm-hmm. like he did. Before I spoke to him, my gut said, this guy's similar in me to mindset. 
Not the way we execute, because we are very different in that regard. Mm-hmm. But in mindset. And we, the first time we talked, honestly, Ross and I could have talked for five, six straight hours. Oh, easy. <laughs> Easily. By the third conversation, which was my brother, by the third time we had done a hard, uh, done a Dome Patrol, before it was even a podcast, right. just the Wednesday segment we were doing on Hard to Paint on the radio. And this was 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes a week, about a third time, this is my brother. When Hard to Paint becomes a podcast, that dude, like that was the first element. Because I said, I'm going to do this five days a week at first, which was just a monster. Um, to the way I was doing it in long form. Um, but we knew Wednesdays where we were going to keep the Dome Patrol going. And it has been a place, a refuge at times for, I think, for both of us. And yeah. um, there's nothing that I can say as far as an enduring segment that I think outside of me and Dino in the basketball realm, like Ross is, is my brother is my I mean, like, I, w- I will fight for this dude. And at the same time, you know, like we ain't scared to sit there and, and like, we've been on the verge of tears on that, that yeah. during those episodes at times. We had some and real, I, real talks. And I love that man, you know, and I, I tell him to his face and I tell him, you know, over the phone or whatever, I love him. And, and and I appreciate him in this business because I know he's honest with me. I'm honest with him and we support each other unconditionally in what we do. You know, I, you know, I think, and it's, it's one of the things that makes, uh, you know, this connection, you know, you guys' connection, um, you know, very important that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you're trying to figure out where you fit in and you're trying to figure out if you belong, like, are you even worth sitting at some of these tables, right? Um, and it may be inconsistent feeling. Some days you may, you may be like, oh, no, oh, no, I'm worth it. And the other day you might, uh, am I am I it? Like, I remember I went to, um, and and this was, this might have been my first, my first time actually meeting you, Grub. The, um, this was this was Zion's uh, media day. Or this, was, this might have been my first time meeting you in person. Right. This was Zion. We had this, done a couple of shows, but we hadn't met. Yeah, so this this was um, after after the Pelicans had made the AD trade. This was Zion's first year. Um, now I had never been to a media day, so I had no idea like what it looked like, right? And then on top of that, outside of you not knowing that, I had no idea that oh shit, it's Zion's like it's a it's, it's so much of this is gonna be about Zion. It's going to be packed with people. And I remember sitting there, and one thing about Grub Grub said up front. Like he he had a he had a chair. I, I was in the back. Everybody was like, and I forgot who I was sitting next to. And they were like, Mom, everybody know Grub. Grub sat up there. Grub asked his questions. He was quick. He was he was in. Then he was out. And I'm sitting here. No disrespect to to uh, Moore and Kirish Williams. I'm like, is it over now? Am I am I stuck here? <laughs> I, I, I I remember like like he got like he asked the starters and a couple of people did he want that did he want to uh, ask like right, I'm out. And I was like. What the hell is this? What like? <laughs> so I I forgot who was there, who was there with me. I'm like, I guess I gotta figure this shit out. So I'm like, all right, let me start asking a few questions. Let me see how to not piss these people off, but still ask good basketball questions. But in my head, I'm like, OG, oh, I needed you here. You were to <laughs> nothing. Like, damn, get it out. All right, man. I man, like, shit. Like, so, um, but I just I never forget that though because that left an, that left an impression on me. It was a lot of people in there. A lot of notable names, some national figures, um, but the person to me that asked 
the most basketball centric question is the person that wasn't afraid of of just um having a you know it, it, it just it felt it felt like he like you you commanded a level of of respect and a presence that I hadn't really seen by people that looked like me in a mm-hmm. in those kind of rooms. I hadn't seen it. So that was I mean that that story I don't think I've never really I've never shared that with you. But I guess my point is it's it's very important because you walk in some you walk into a lot of these rooms and ain't many people that look like you. You know, that's just that's the truth. So um you know for y'all to share that you know that connection I mean it goes it goes a long way because you know, similar to what you know, how I mentioned about you know, you want to, to to pull the next the person up that's that's up next or help someone else up. I'm humble enough to feel like the person I pulled up may surpass me one day, and I may be leaning on him or her. You know, um, so yeah, man, I, I I really I really appreciate that. Uh, Grub, or I guess so when you started, like. Cause I, I think for me, I, when I was, a, I was young, I'm like, man, you know, I'm gonna be on ESPN. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And like, what, what was versus like what you're doing now and where you, and, and, and where you're trying to go, like, what did your dreams end in the beginning when it first started, when you first yeah. started the microphone? It's everybody, everybody wanted to be on ESPN. Yeah. You, you wanted, you, it was like, because when we, especially for like me and Ross, when we came in, that's when ESPN was really cool. You know, that's yes. when they had the This Is Sports Center era. Yeah. So you had Craig Kilborn and you had Dan Patrick and Keith Oberman, and it was the peak of it was cool to be on ESPN. Yeah. You know, because there were other stations. You had Fox Sports at that point, and you had CNNSI was was a station too. It wasn't just a website. Mm-hmm. So you had these three areas, but everybody wanted to get to ESPN. TNT, of course, had its own sports thing. But you know, outside of inside the NBA, there was nothing on TNT you wanted to be on, and you knew you weren't Charles Barkley, and you knew you weren't <laughs> Kenny Smith. So yeah, I wouldn't yeah, replace was either the, one of them. Yeah, you only had the former player route, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that wasn't gonna happen. So I wanted to be on ESPN, but what I found was is I'm conversational. And television wasn't the spot for me to do that. So, yeah, my dream was was that. But I found that radio and podcasting allowed me to, to, to learn about my subjects and, and to have relationships. And that, I guess I didn't answer that the first time. But when you ask me what the best thing for me is the relationships, good and bad. Because I've had, you know, you build a relationship with your audience. You build a relationship with the people you converse with. Uh, in those podcasts and I think that's why some of my guests are so loyal and who will come back over and over again um, or tell me that if I ever need to call them that they'll be there not because you know I'm I don't think I'm you know some special but what I am is is genuine and Mm -hmm. and I'm that with them and I'm prepared with them and they they I think they respect that Um, and and a lot of the people that have been guests continuously we end up having off line relationships and and just looking out you know and, and checking in on each other with that and i'm proud of that i love that part of it ross um you've been you've been i mean it feels like you've been on you've been doing a part of the lockdown network forever and i don't i feel like and i'd have to go in my dms and check but I feel like there was there was a period of time where they were just trying to they was trying to give every anybody who would who would who had an inter talent 
like just take it and do it because it was a responsibility and you turned it into like no this is actually going to be good and i'm going to be here and it's going to be consistent and it's not just going to be something oh i'm bored i guess i'll you know or okay i got out you just you know it seemed like there was a there, there was a plan um about it and i'm sure you were finding your way you know along the way um what 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 is something that like what's a misconception about recording as often as you do um in times when people don't want to like what give me give me give me a misconception because you because after a while you make it look easy right but 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 give me a misconception of recording as often as you do as consistently as you do even in times when there's nothing to talk about yeah i think that like the biggest misconception is that it gets arduous and and to me it doesn't right like and and i have the advantage of only doing you know 30 minutes or less right and some of that's ads and things like that too so that ends up you know helping to populate a little bit but the thing that i love about it so much is that it's not arduous to me and when it is it's worth it yeah we yeah what y'all were referencing earlier or kind of what you were referencing earlier felt like actually something i experienced earlier today which is a little bit of like imposter syndrome right like i'm i'm getting ready to walk into uh saint's training camp in a couple of weeks and everything. And there's still a part of me sometimes that feels like, do I deserve to do that? The answer is yes. But there are times that feel that you know, you feel like, is that really like me? Like the kid that? that like say again? Why is that? I think that just some of it is like I'm the only one that knows where I came from. You know what I mean? I'm the only one that knows every detail about where I've been and where I came from. And so I'm the only one that knows that I've, you know, I, you know, was, was homeless pre, during and post Katrina. I'm the only one that knows that I graduated from high school, barely knowing how to read and didn't actually finish learning how to read and write as an adult until I was in graduate school. Like there are just things about my life, details about my life that like, I know that not everybody knows upon meeting me. And then they'll make a different assumption based upon, you know, my ability to be able to blend. Right. And so that imposter syndrome just comes from the insecurities of having an understanding of what my past actually is and the road that it took to get here. And there are some days that I'm filled with pride because of that. And there are other days that I'm filled with complete and utter fear because of it and complete and utter, like, I guess, insecurity because of it. But you have to find a way to channel it, all it, right? And so that's why I'm grateful for the opportunity that I got with Locked On because it allowed me to do what I do every single day, rep after rep after rep after rep. I, I didn't tweet about it, but I surpassed a thousand episodes like four or five weeks ago and everything. Like I have had reps doing this show and I think that that helps with the confidence because even when I am at my, at my worst, like today I was not well before doing the show. I was not well after doing the show in terms of like I was well, right? Like I'm I. I'm cool. But like, I I was not feeling very confident about what I was about to do, but I still did a good show and I was able to get out there because I have the reps. And so the format I think is something that I really love about what has helped me or, or sorry, the format is something that has really helped me with all that. So I think that the, the big piece for me is that like the thing that's miss that the miss biggest misconception is, is that it gets arduous or it gets boring or it gets hard to fill time when really the format the, the rhythm, the cadence is more comforting than anything else because I can find uh, I can find comfort and confidence in my fundamentals because there are fundamentals in what you know the style of show that I do. 
And so those are the things, that's the thing that I think is kind of the biggest misconception. I, I don't really struggle for content, especially with this damn team. Like <laughs> there's, there, there, there's always something to talk about, even when there isn't something to talk about. And, you know, uh, Grub mentioned something earlier that I absolutely love that. Like, I don't use my show to tell you what happened. I use my show to tell you how it happened and why it's important, why you should give a shit that it did happen. And so for me, like, that's the part that makes it easier because I can take one play and break it down for five episodes and tell you, you know, and, and focus in on different perspectives and look at it from different points of view, why it worked, why it didn't work. Will it work again? How it needs to improve in order to work again? Would it work against this defense versus that defense? Like there are just things that I'm able to do in terms of like building out the, the, the topic development that makes it easy to program throughout the off season. Although there are days that it's harder than others and stuff like that. But I think that's probably the biggest misconception and, and, and the reps and the experience definitely helps with it. But like anything that's that, that feels arduous is a hundred percent worth it because I get to give something unique to the people that support and that have helped to change my life. And I get the opportunity to be able to do something that gives back to the community that I care so much about and be able to work with guys like you that I love dearly and get the opportunity to be able to collaborate with throughout all this, it, you know, it, it, it's it's like it's like Grub just said, right? It's about the relationships that you build, and this has opened the doorway to to a lot of relationships, some of which are invaluable. You, you, wow! I mean, first of all, I, I there was so much that that you just, that you just explained there that I would have had no idea, right? I like that's that's what's and, and you know and Grub that this is what a lot of what Ross said is going to lead to uh, my my next question to you because, bro, like fear. I go into and I haven't been doing this as long as you know you guys have. I go into every even this show. I've had I've had so much anxiety coming into this damn show. What am I gonna like? What am I gonna ask this? How long is it gonna be? Can I can I can I be good with time? Is it gonna be receptive? I've been thinking this whole time while I've been doing this show. How many people gonna listen to it? The fear is inexplainable. And I think some people, um, you know, because you know, a person looks looks good in a chair or they look confident they're giving you confident points or they're having a good day people think that oh well um that person doesn't have any type of insecurities or, or, or any kind of fear when doing these things outside of the fact that hey you know you don't have many many setups like this where you could just you know have a have an open conversation about it grub can you can you dive deeper into um a lot a lot about what what ross says when it comes to just um I, yeah, I mean the fear, the daily fears, the you know the things that are that are around just making the content general, the battles you have within the person that's looking that you're staring in the mirror. I think for me, the thing that I fear is, I fear is, is having the voice taken away, and so that was always the concern for me: is that somebody had the power to take it away. Yeah, um, and that's the freedom for me and hard to pain is that it's the one place that I get to say it exactly how I feel. And I get to ask the questions exactly as I want to ask them. Even when I have to do it for radio, you know, you still have to temper it. You know, you still have to, there are people that you have to consider there, you know, all these folks that um, you have to, your bosses and, and those folks. So that would, every day I would, I would hope that, that I could stay within the lines when I was doing, <laughs> when I'm on radio, it's like, stay within the lines. You can get get close to them. You might even feel the warmth from the you know that third rail, but yeah. don't touch it. Don't just don't touch it. Um, and that's a little bit harder. And it, and sometimes you are to to conform in that. But yeah, you feel like an, like 
there's still locker rooms when you walk in and you feel like an imposter and you feel like you don't belong there. And it's, and, and just like you said, because of the challenges that, that you go through internally, but also you feel that weight of being like when you are in the space and you're the only one and you're like, man, do, am I really supposed to be the only one in here? And I, if I don't, if I mess this up, if I get my shot and I blow it, you know, I start thinking about the impact that it's going to have on somebody else and what that means. The first time, the first, at the end of the first episode of Hard to Paint on the on radio, the first one, I cried on air at the end of it because that had, that's, you know, like when, you know, Jay-Z talks about reasonable doubt and he says, that's my whole life put into that album. Yeah. That one episode, that first episode was everything that everyone had ever believed for me and in me and the things that I didn't believe in myself, the moments that I thought would never arrive. And I had it and I did it for two. I had made it through two hours of my show. And I don't know if five people listened to 5,000 or 5 million. I didn't even care at that point. I had gotten there and they couldn't kick me out now. This history was going to show that I was there. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I put my footprints on the moon that day. And if you you don't ever have to get back, but I'm trying to get back all the time. Like that feeling, that's the thing that I always think about with my show is like, man, it's an honor. You get to do this. People listen to what you're saying. So respect them. And that's the stuff that kind of gets you through on those days when you don't want to do it is that when people tweet you at you and say, man, I can't wait for you to give me something else. I can't wait for to hear your opinion on this. I can't wait for your next conversation on this. Those are the times when you when when you don't want to do it and you realize that that there are people who don't or don't or they're not trying to consume your content. They're trying to continue that relationship. And, and so that 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 helps a lot when you worry about yourself, because I think it's only natural. I think it doesn't matter what you do. I think we all at some point wonder, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this is is this what I believe enough in myself to, to take it as it is? You know, and what does success look like for me too? That's that thing is the realest conversation you got to have with yourself. Is what does success in this mean to me, and what can I live with, and what can I live without? Whew. Um, speaking of living, of living without, or living, living with Ross, um, you you are in one of the most um, where you create content for a fan base that supports a team and they are or we are some of the most entertaining toxic um crazy um determined stubborn loving group that you can really put together um describe your relationship with new orleans and describe your relationship and some of the things you've learned about not just New Orleans Saints fans, but mm-hmm. New Orleans fans, period. Uh, it's that's my family, man. Like that's it, it's that simple, right? You, like they're not always the most well behaved. I know that, but it's still my family, right? It's like going to the cookout and you got that one cousin that you're like, don't, don't, don't talk to them too much. Yeah, you know I mean, you don't be seen yeah. with them too much. No, I'm just playing. But you know, it's it's it that really is like I, I call I call like when I reference and I talk to you know I make a very specific point to 
reference listeners individually that take the time to listen to my show. You, I know what your thing, like everything is specific to that individual. But when I do reference kind of the group or, or, or a collective of people that listen to the show that are Saints fans, I always use the word family. And that's not artificial. Like that is something that I never did until I started doing this show and everything. And I developed that relationship. And so I learned a lot about you know, New Orleans Saints fans. But again, like I grew up in New Orleans Saints fan. I grew up around New Orleans Saints fans. So I think also like being from the community is really important to me too, because I'm speaking to people the way that I speak to people in my immediate family about the team or I'm, you know, I, I get the real opportunity to be able to do that. And so I, I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I have been asked before, you know, if you weren't able to cover the New Orleans Saints, if that wasn't an option, but you could cover any of the other 31 NFL teams, what team would you choose? And the only other team that makes sense to me is the Buffalo Bills because that's the only other fan base that's as crazy as Saints fans. You know what I'm saying? And that's as excited as, about Saints fans. Like the thing that I love about Saints fans is that they care so much about who their starting quarterback is, but they care just as much who the second fullback is on the roster, who the third <laughs> tight end is on the roster, who's the gunner opposite JT Gray. Like that's what I love. Like I love that so much that. It's not just like a it's not a situationship. It's a real relationship for New Orleans Saints fans and the organization. The other thing that I learned is that the connection between the organization and the community is unique. And it might be one of the most unique, if not the most unique across sports. The trauma bonding that has happened between this organization and these fans, the fact that this organization was helped by its fans and the fans were aided in or aided by the organization in terms of hope and light and just sheer determination coming out of one of the most, you know, the largest natural travesties that's ever happened in, you know, our modern day era. Like that connection is so unique. And that's something that I absolutely love as well, because if I'm going to be able to get the opportunity to contribute time every single day to a fan base, I want to contribute it to a fan base that cares. I want to contribute it to a fan base that is going to have opinions, that's going to disagree, that's going to, you know, just as much as they will agree, that has their own opinions, their own thoughts because of how well they know the team or the roster and things like that. Like, I love all of that. So I think just that the, 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 you, the unique nature of the connection is something that I learned over time while doing the show, but everything else came with like prior knowledge of just like, this is family. And I'm really excited to be able to spend, you know, time every day with them. Now, Grub, you're, you're, you're a little different because in my time of knowing you, I have seen you talk and cover about, and I, and, and I, I'm going to miss a few here, but I'm gonna try to name them here. I've seen high school sports. Okay. Basketball and football, if I'm correct. Yes. I've seen college baseball. Yes. Okay. I don't know. If, I, th I think I've seen softball, but I'm going to keep going. Yes. I've seen professional basketball. Yes. I've seen professional football. I've seen um, – that's that's all I have, but that that's a the lot. Big three? That's a I lot. The big three. The big three. Yeah. I did I, a yeah, radio I commentary. The I have covered lacrosse. I've covered field hockey. I've like I've covered ice hockey. Like I did the full gauntlet as when you when I came up. So that I think the great thing about that in working in a local sports environment where you got to do everything and you were one man banding it a lot was that a it gave me respect for every type of athlete. You know, I, I I've been to swim meets. I've been to you know I've done it all. I've talked to 
every single type of, I've talked to the, the minor leaguers who are trying to come up and I've talked to minor leaguers who are trying to hang on, you know, I've talked to pros, you know, at the beginnings of their career at all the, these different levels. And I've talked to high schoolers who were supposed to be phenoms. And I've talked to kids who were just small town kids playing their hearts out, you know, on a Friday. And that is a gift. You know what I'm saying? That allows you just like waiting tables. I waited tables for a long time. And those teach you how to have different conversations. We've got to read people too, you know, how to anticipate um, needs and wants in conversation and how they want to be addressed and how they need to be heard in that moment. Um, So I learned a lot from those things um, and, and doing that, but basketball is the passion. Basketball is the one that if if you ask me, we could do ba- we'll do basketball, and I won't sleep. I'll you know like just just let's talk about it. What do you want? What aspect? What a- whatever you want? To, we will talk about. We will talk about plays. You want to talk about moments? You want to talk about players? You want to talk? I will do that all day long. But I love I love so I must I love so many sports, um, and I can just enjoy. I think competition the the, the aspects of how you compete, how you get yourself up to compete the things that you have to do physically and mentally, especially like, I mean, just at every level, whether it's a rookie or the guy now, Cam Jordan this year, just think about that. Cam Jordan this year and the things that he's endured in conversation and in, 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 in his own life and just physically probably asking himself, how much do I have left in me? And the outward show that you see that Ross talks about too, that, that projection of I'm strong. I'm Cam Jordan. I got to be Cam Jordan. Every time these people see me, I have to be Cam Jordan. I have to have the mustache on fleek. I have to, you know, I got to be clean. I got to talk my shit. I got to be Cam Jordan. But I guarantee when there are nights when he's lifting those weights, you know, in those mornings that he's coming into the Saints facility and he's looking at a kid who's four or five years younger than him, who's running a little bit faster, who's got a little more reps up on that, on the machine. You know, like those questions creep in. Do I have enough for 16 games? You know, and, and that, Part of it is just it. If that ever stops being interesting to me, like that's why I know that I can do this forever. Is because humanity and understanding how people do what they do that never gets boring, never. And leading leading into that with with you having as just a such a just a, a wide spectrum of, of of things in which you've covered, especially in the Louisiana region. I mean that you you see people from a bunch of all different walks of life that all um, you know for the most part are from a from a similar space. Um, what's your connection like with you know New Orleans, Louisiana? Like, what's the how how unique is it to you? Because I mean, God, like you know, like you were you were on you know ESPN doing doing you know several Tulane games. You were you know, involved in, involved in that, you know, for the bat, for the, uh, the basketball team as well. Like what's your connection like as a whole with the region? You know, it's a little bit different cause I wasn't born in new Orleans. Right. So I brought some, and neither of my parents were born in new Orleans. So you bring a different view to everything, you know, even when you grow up in it, the influences are not the same because your parents are adapting to the culture. Just like you are my brother and sister, are born, you know, New Orleanians. So they see the city completely different than I do because I always compared it to, you know, and even though I moved to New Orleans when I was very young, I had feelings for Detroit, you know, like where I, where I was born, I have, 
my first bonds, my first baseball game, my first football, all those things happened in Michigan. So coming to Louisiana, it was a much different vibe because New Orleanians, what I learned very quickly, do not, you know, that outsider thing that, that look coming up in the late seventies and the eighties and, and realizing that when people asked you and my parents figuring this out, like what school you went to was not your college is what high school you went to. So people could know what neighborhood you were from and know who your people were. And, you know, and, and me being a light skinned kid and people asking me constantly who my people were because I looked like somebody they knew. And I'm like, I don't have any other relatives here. You know what I mean? So New Orleans to that part, I had to figure out my way into it and into the culture because it was not native to me. And, and I wasn't also an adult. Like you see transplants who come in and they want to immerse themselves in it in a completely different way. Again, I was a kid growing up in it. So my influences for it as a sports fan was like the year we moved to New Orleans, the first season that I remember the Saints is 1-15. in 15. That's what I remember. You know what I'm saying? Like the, I have clear memories of the Dome. So my perspective is different because I have clear memories of when it was hard to fill the Dome. I have clear memories when that was not the greatest home field advantage in the NFL. You know, I watched a lot of really bad Alabama quarterbacks take a stand in the center in those gold pants. I've seen it, you know what I mean, those white pants. I watched a lot of coaches get fired. So my perspective was just different than than what I feel like the majority of Saints fans now are coming in from that late 90s period. So it's a whole different, you know, I'm, I'm, my perspective is just different. But as far as basketball goes, that was always a part of the New Orleans culture that I immersed myself in as soon as I could. Like I knew about the games that were played at the barn. I knew about the, the you know, the summer leagues that, that actually New Orleans used to have pro-ams in the summer. You know, New Orleans was a real basketball city. And I would go to the park and play and I go, you know, and I knew who guys were. And I knew who all the, you know, there was a time when it was nothing but McDonald's All-American after McDonald's All-American. So to me, the conversation about New Orleans not being a basketball city never made sense. It just never made sense. And it was my passion. So I knew that given the opportunity, I was going to talk up New Orleans basketball. I wasn't going to talk up the team as much because that's not my job. I don't work for the Pelicans. But I'm going to talk up basketball. We're going to talk up basketball. And I want to be around a community of people that if you don't love basketball, I'm going to help you understand why you should or you could. And if you do, I'm going to give you more reasons, I hope, to love the game because I hope I add to how you view it and how you uh, receive it. Well, um, guys, I, I, um, I, y'all, y'all add to how, how I view it all. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, one of the reasons this was, this was important to me, be, you know, to start, um, is you know because and you know and even even with maddie like i just like i like the i i like the the way you guys like approach things and it's all you know it's it's all different right um you know anytime you know something beyond sports comes out right around the time when people want to tell you i don't want to hear that from you i just want to hear what's next with the saints right you know stuff stuff off the field you guys all find ways to um to address it and address it in a way that's unique to you, whether, whether it's popular or not, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, you know, and, and, and Maddie, I mean, oh man, yeah. I, I gotta, I gotta get Maddie on here with Maddie. When Maddie <laughs> going, you going to feel every word. 
and it doesn't matter how long it has to be. She she she's gonna apologize for 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 the length of what she has to say. It may not have to be. It may not be vocal. She may have to write it down and post it. But you know, and she's gonna she's gonna do her research. You know, so uh, but end of the day, man, I really I really appreciate y'all. And you know, to me, you know, I I remember when I first started, and y'all were two of the you know two of the people that were um, you know, I I I was inspired by. It. And I think that there's a lot of people. I'm here to remind y'all how many people look at you guys and are inspired by you know what you do, Ross. When you walk in training camps, people are just gonna be like, "Oh shit, that's Ross Jackson." You know what I'm saying? Like when we went to, and I told, and it, it, it's funny, but that's the truth though. When I when I mm -hmm. you know I told Grub like when, when we went to um the Pelicans Chalk Talk, I had a couple people walk up to me like, "Oh, is that is that David Grub?" I'm like, yeah, go say hello. I'm like, yeah, yeah. People see you as something way bigger than just a person, right? The people that, that have been watching you, listening to you, depending on you for quite some time now, man. So I, you know, I think the giving of that flowers or, or giving of those flowers, man, is important. I mean, and you know, me and Grub talk all the time, but you know, Ross, I I'm I'm happy that you were uh willing to, you know, to uh be a part of this here, man. Oh yeah. I've been I've been I added something to the end of my show not too long ago to where I just I always give a little nod to like if you see me say hi that's what that's my phrase and everything and every time that somebody is kind enough to do it and that's the way I, I truly believe it that way too that people that stop me people that say hey are you or hey love your podcast whatever like people that take the time to do that I think that's that is a show of kindness I don't find that as a bother I think that is a show of kindness and I thank them every single time by saying thank you for changing my life because they did. Grub changed my life. Chris, you have changed my life. Like everybody that has taken the time to support and has been in a situation or has been in, had the opportunity to either say yes or no to me and has said yes, they have changed my life. And everybody has said yes to different varying degrees, right? Sometimes it's about, you know, it's yes, like here's an opportunity, here's a job. Sometimes it's yes, here's a weekly spot that you and I get to do together. We're going to brand it. We're going to make it our own. And we're going to be brothers from here on out. And sometimes it's yes by clicking on the thing, <laughs> clicking on the episode or clicking on a YouTube video or whatever. Like that's somebody saying yes. And every time that somebody has said yes, in whatever varying degree and whatever ability they have to say yes, it's changed my life. And so I always, always try to thank, thank people for that because it, it doesn't escape me that like, I hope that people see this and go, I want to do that. I'm going to start my own YouTube channel. I'm going to start my own podcast. I want to talk in front of a microphone and I hope that they thrive every damn day that they do it. Like Grub and I always talk about, like, we want to see everybody eat. Yeah. We want to see everybody eat. And I'll say this, every person in that, that genuinely has come to me and said you know i respect what you do um they more times than not especially when it's a peer like in the industry you know that does it more times than not i'm 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 in awe that i'm meeting them a hundred percent or i'm in awe that saying that they have invited me like you know when somebody thanks yep. me for being on their show or whatever or something i'm like you came to me like i, I I didn't ask, you know what I mean? Like you came to me and that's, that's humbling to me. But this is when, and I don't view myself as like, you know, but it was really cool. My daughter comes, came back from the mall shopping. I wasn't with her. She comes back and she says, I was in a store and a guy came, you know, I was buying something and, and the guy behind the register said, are you David Grubb's daughter? And she said, yeah, how do you know? And she said, I know him from sports. 
<laughs> and this is my daughter and my daughter and everybody knows look I put, my daughter is in a lot of things with me yeah um because i you know she's she's my my ace but for somebody that they didn't have to tell her right you know what i mean like they don't know if it's going to get back to me or not she's 14 she stuff goes in one ear out the other it made her day and then it made mine um because you know that part of it that part the, I get emotional about it because just I just think about what we've all been through, man, and the, the, the positive things that the, that that tightening that the, how me and Ross knew our chemistry was instant. How Chris, when we had our first DM conversation, when we were out of the group because we met in a group chat, and then it was you hit me up in a DM and we started chatting with each other, and it was like, okay, yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from. The same thing with like Trevor, or the same thing with um, you know when Carly was with us, man. When Carly was with us, you know, like Carly and I, like I still keep all the IGs that I have from her um, because there were times she was like, she'd send me one and be like, best in the business, David Grubb. And I know she doesn't mean that 100%. There's a lot of people who are as talented as me, but she's letting me know as my friend in that moment, she's supporting me. And you know, like she would send me screenshots. I just, you know, I watched you. Same with, you know, and we do the same for each other. Like, Anything Ross puts out, if he says I'm on this, I've listened to it. You know, when you're on something, I've listened to it. With Maddie, when she's on, if I can, and if she's on ESPN, I'll listen to it. Um, and and I think that's when, like, whenever those folks come in, when Maddie came in and joined us, when we had her on for that first episode, again, it just, it was easy. It was so easy. And, like, the one thing about Maddie that I, that I, we, we, that I think Ross and I both tried to tell her to stop doing is apologizing for being herself. Mm-hmm. And I think part yeah. of that comes from being a woman in this industry mm-hmm. because she she feels like sometimes if she gets branded, and as black men, we certainly know oh, that being it. an opinionated, loud black person can get you into some difficult spots. It ain't yeah. getting your jobs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we tell her all the time, it's like, Maddie, you, you don't have to apologize to us. You don't have to apologize to your audience because the reason people listen to you is because you're being honest. And and that's I think that's why she came in and and look she's a third member of the patrol and it it just it fit it fit and and it, it it's just and you know like that ex- first experience when uh, when Ross got to meet her when I got to meet her for the first time when I got to all of us it's joyful mm-hmm. it is it was a joyful experience and me and Ross waiting because we've had these times to finally do it in person but this week we're going to finally like next weekend hopefully we finally mm-hmm. get to do it in person but. It's been a joy, man. It's like you just, I would, I, I, I don't want to do this for free. I don't want to do this for free. But when people talk about, I, I've done, I've worked harder than the money that I've gotten out of this, mm-hmm. and then because it's because of the relationships and because of the people like you too. Man, I, I really, I really appreciate that, man. You know, you guys have made this this first episode worthwhile for me, man. Uh, so. I definitely, I, I definitely appreciate it as I was trying to figure out how, how this was going to go. But um, thank you guys again. Um, I got a Vegas flight to catch here very shortly. So I'm going to get get out of here and get into the Summer League madness. But uh, Grub, Ross, tell everybody where they can follow you at. I mean, I see it on the screen, but for those that, that, uh, that are audio listeners only, tell them where to, where to find you at, what you got coming up next. And yeah, Ross. All right, dope. Uh, I was like, I was like nodding at uh, at 
Nope. Ross is frozen. Ross is frozen, so I'll do it while he's frozen. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Grub and hit me on the website, HITPwithdg.com. August 1st, uh, keep in mind, August 1st as the date, we're going to be doing a big relaunch um, and doing some things, but there will be some episodes. Like, you, you go ahead, homie. Um, easy. I'm done. You got it. You froze, so we can let you go now. You got it. Every time, I think I did it. You were frozen, so Man. I went while you were frozen. Yes, so good. That worked out. I appreciate y'all. Hey, easy way to find me, Locked on Saints, wherever, wherever you get you know, podcasts, YouTube, all of that. Uh, Saints Wire, USA Today. And of course, you can find all of it together at Ross Jackson, NOLA, N-O-L-A on Twitter. Appreciate you, man. And hey, Chris, glad you're doing this, man. Glad you're in the space, bro. And and and, and take up space while you're here. All right. Nope. I'm going to tell, tell you the first time you asked about this. What did I tell you? I mean, we, we talked about just, just recording, man. Just, just yeah. do it. I mean, just yeah, doing it. Just do it, just do yeah, it one way or another. Because I was going to fight it. I was going to fight it. Um, and I, I I delayed it as long as I could. Yeah. I was like, man, let me just let me just dive in. Dive yeah. in and try it. belong here. Just do it. Appreciate it, y'all. Well, well, that's the first episode of In Space. Blue Crew Media. DraftKings. Uh, until next time. Appreciate y'all.